0: Great to see you here this morning. Uh, I want to thank Steve for the opportunity to speak once again. It's always a great privilege and an and honor uh, to be able to uh, share what God's put on your heart. And so my hope and prayer is that you hear nothing I have to say, but that you hear exactly what God wants to speak to you this morning. And I have every confidence that God wants to lay a foundation for each of us on this last day of the year as to how to make the next year the best year of our lives by drawing closer to him and experiencing his presence, power, and promise in new and vibrant and transformational ways <coughs> in each of our lives. And so that is my hope. That has been my prayer for you, that God would guide you and direct you, that he would give you something to to apply to your lives uh, that will lead you into the abundant life that he has promised each and every one of us. So let's begin by just asking him to accomplish that in us, and then we'll jump into our text this morning. Father, we are so grateful uh, for your presence. Lord, we're thankful that you want us uh, to know you and to walk in truth. So Lord, this morning I pray that you open all of our ears and hearts, Lord, to your spirit's voice. That God, you would plant deep within us convictions that would last um, through the entire year. And Lord, that would truly be transformational for each of us in our walk with you. Lord, we ask these things for your glory and, God, for our good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, America is a nation founded on the Declaration of Independence. That proclaims the right of every individual to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, as you close out a year and you enter a next one, whether it's a birthday or a calendar year that's transitioning, they become natural times to assess, you know, how is life working for you? Whether you call it a resolution or a refocusing or a uh, recalibrating with your goals and priorities, we usually use these seasons to think about, to look back and say, you know, is there anything that I need to adjust in my life to make this next year better than the past? You know, very few of us want, you know, 24 to be worse than 23. And uh, here's the good news. I really believe that's God's heart for you as well. That doesn't mean that it's going to be trial free or simple, but it is his desire to take you to new levels of life and existence, and whether we call it the pursuit of happiness or purpose or significance, uh, my hope is this morning that you discover that, because as a whole, we as American people are pretty hardworking. Uh, we, we do pursue happiness. We want to make life uh, Better, uh, for those who come behind us, we want to, to experience and, and take hold of the dreams and desires that God's planted in our hearts. And one of the most frustrating things in life is to uh, find yourself falling short of that, short of what you read about in God's word, about how he wants to work and move in your life. And it can be frustrating. And so too often we give ourselves to things that don't necessarily hold the potential um, to deliver what the deepest longings and desires in our hearts are. Uh, We give ourselves to all kinds of busyness and activities and none of them are necessarily bad. In researching some of the things and activities that we commit ourselves to, I discovered that as as, uh, most Americans are really working hard In fact, do you realize that 39% of all Americans have some side hustle of some kind in their life? And if you take that to 42 and under, it's 50%. Now, 60% of that 50% of side hustle or home uh, business are all um, multi-level marketing opportunities. And when Tammy and I were in Florida, uh, we ministered and started a church in Orlando. Now, the DeVos family had property in Orlando, and for those of you who don't know, they were one of the primary owners of Amway. So, Amway had a large presence in in Orlando, and many people had bought into Amway being the pathway uh, to their good life, to their dreams coming true, and for some, that was actually happening. And... uh, for those of you who don't know, an MLM, a multi-level marketing, is basically it's an opportunity for an individual with a modest investment usually to have their own business that they basically build downlines through friends and family, where they recruit them to sell the same products as they do, and ideally, to overly simplify the Amway pitch, uh, is this: if you buy what you're already going to buy at Walmart through Amway, and get your friends and family to do the same, we're all going to do well. And and that's kind of the sizzle of it. It's the simple, it's like, you know, all we have to do is recruit our friends to buy what we're already purchasing through this company, and we all get rewarded for it. And it sounds good, but the best laid plans sometimes don't unfold the way we'd hoped. And one of the things that I discovered when pastoring where a large percentage of the congregation uh, was exploring this as a pathway for themselves, and some were doing really well at it, is that there's a great parallel between your spiritual journey and sometimes your business development journey. Because all of them usually hold what we would call a crisis of faith, where you get to a moment where you have gone, uh, you know, All in. You're invested, you've bought into it, and so you're on the, the uh, conference calls, and you're going to the conferences, and you're sharing the business, and then, I don't know, six months to a year, for many people, they begin to doubt whether or not it's actually going to happen for them, and I have found that that happens in a lot of our spiritual journeys as well. We begin with great enthusiasm and excitement and like the, uh, the Amway uh, um, small business owner, we make the dream board in our mind or on our refrigerator of all the things that we hope and desire to get from life through what we're investing in our time and energy. And usually at some point we, we hit an obstacle where we begin to ask ourselves, well, have I made a mistake? Or at the close of a year, you begin to ask yourself, is this something I should continue into next year? And why am I talking about this? Because I believe that was exactly where the disciples were in the passage that we're gonna look at this morning. They were in the midst of a crisis of faith. They had chosen to follow Jesus. They had left pretty much everything behind. And Jesus had begun to preach and teach about the kingdom of God in the form of parables. Parables are basically riddles to non-believers and revelation to those who do believe. And the disciples like you and me listened to some of these parables and the things that they were asking each other is, do you know what he's talking about? I don't have a clue what he's talking about. Uh, Do you ever read your Bible? And kind of go, what in the world does that mean? It happens to all of us as we follow God. And when things don't start to unfold the way we'd hoped and dreamed, which is usually the case, for those who've walked with God for a long time, you find that your spiritual journey seldom unfolds the way you had hoped or dreamed. There are obstacles, there are trials, there are disappointments, there are, are blessings and burdens that are yours, that God wants to shape our character through. But sometimes it's hard in the midst of that to kind of keep pressing forward. And Satan begins to whisper in our ear, you know, you've made a mistake. This, this faith really is ridiculous. It's not gonna deliver for you what you'd hoped for. The wisest thing you could do is change direction. And I found, that was oftentimes the questions that several of these small business owners were asking. Do I keep going? Do I keep pushing forward? And the decisions we make really shape who we are and what we become and the life that we live. And so if you open your Bibles to Matthew 13, we're gonna look at one verse this morning, verse 44, and it's a parable. And I think it's a parable where Jesus after recognizing that his disciples had questions and called them into a house away from the crowd for them to ask their questions and he is he was asked he says lord explain to us the parable of the wheat and weeds a parable where jesus was describing how the kingdom of god was going to come and the righteous and the unrighteous would exist together which didn't fit the paradigm of what the disciples had believed about the kingdom. And so questions began to rise within them and Jesus saw that in their faces. And reading the room, he, he asked them, what can I do for you? And they say, teach us about this. Now Jesus heard the presented question and he answered it but he understood that there was a non-spoken question. That the deeper question was this, have we made a mistake? <laughs> is this guy really who he claimed to be? Is, is he really gonna be able to deliver the kingdom? And I don't care who you are, at some point over your spiritual journey, you began to ask those deeper questions. You began to wonder, have I been led astray? You know, have I bought bought into some, some sizzle that there's really not the substance to back it up? Are the promises of God foolish for me to put my trust in? Or is there something of real substance there? And Jesus, out of his heart and out of his love for the disciples, drops these two parables into the text. And it seems like they almost come out of nowhere. They ask a question, explain this, and then Jesus says in verse 44, and if you read with me, he says this. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys the field. This morning, we wanna look at just this one verse. And in this verse, I believe Jesus lays out the process for us to work through the doubts that we have about the life decisions we've made. And here's what I want you to understand. Jesus is not condemning them for their doubt, for their questions. Actually, he's embracing that. And we need to understand that sometimes our doubts are the greatest gifts that we've been given because it helps us reevaluate And rethink and there are certain things that like the disciples we've made assumptions or conclusions um, that need that need to be adjusted that need to be let go of and other times there is truth that we need to hold on to tighter and so Jesus begins by giving them a parable to reassure them you haven't made a mistake your decision to follow me has not been foolish in fact, it is going to deliver for you everything that you'd hoped for. And he lays out the journey. And the journey begins by our being honest about our doubts, about the questions we have, and then not ignoring them, but diving into them, wrestling with them, asking God to give us clarity and insight, and what we learn is Jesus from Jesus' heart is that he's willing to do that. He, 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 preaches this parable just for, those, for his 12 so that they can be reassured that the journey looks different than you had expected, but it's the, it's the path that's going to deliver for you. And he starts by comparing the kingdom of heaven to a treasure that was found. And what we learn in this is really, there's a, there's a man and there's a merchant in the next one that all of us are searching for something. In life we 're looking for the thing or things that we think will deliver for us the good life, the, the hopes and dreams that are in our hearts, and our rhythms and routines, our life patterns, are all the practices that we 've adopted in pursuit of happiness, in pursuit of a good life. And what Jesus is laying out as he 's saying this, he said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Comparing it to this finding, this discovery that holds, from the human perspective, everything necessary for all of their dreams and desires to come true. So today, if we were telling the parable, we would probably say, "There was a, the kingdom of heaven is like a lottery ticket <laughs> that is won, that you're now a billionaire." Isn't it amazing how large some of these lotteries get? And you, you know, we've all had that dream, haven't we? It's like, wow, what would I do with all that money? And you kind of think, boy, the freedom I would have, you know, to be able to do whatever I want to or to do good for other people. That we associate that provision with the possibility of all of our hopes and dreams being achieved. And that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is like that treasure. But here's what's important to understand, is he's also saying that the kingdom of God is the only thing that will deliver for you the fullness of all of your heart's desires. That any other pursuit will leave you short, and that's the reassurance that he's given them. He's saying, "You you chose to follow me. And I want you to know that I am bringing the kingdom and that the kingdom will provide for you everything that you thought it would while you haven't fully understood all of my teachings and you have questions, be assured that the kingdom of God is coming and it will meet every one of your desires if we stay the course, if we don't abandon our convictions, and our belief. And the reality is this, that it's not usually a single thing that we find, um, but it's a series of discoveries that God reveals to us. Life is really discovering nuggets of wisdom here and there. We have life experiences and we discover in that this truth that then we apply to our lives. So a few things that I've discovered recently is this, this is one of the best ones. I've discovered that grandparenting is as wonderful as everybody said it is. It is, it is absolutely amazing. Um, I've also discovered that once you hit 40, 50, uh, your metabolism slows down and it becomes harder and harder to stay in shape. Uh, and to my, you know, disappointment, you know, it does require both diet and exercise. Both. Uh, you know, I've found that for myself, the best test as to whether or not I need to tighten up my disciplines with diet and exercise, is whether I can stand up straight, look down and see my toes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty good test, you know? You know, it all depends on how far do you have to lean. And that's kind of like, I've kind of learned, you know, a half inch is a month of diet, <laughs> an inch is two months. And I'm like, oh boy, you know, and then you start to wrestle with, well, wow, do I want to be happy and fat? <laughs> or, you know, or healthy and, uh, you know, sad. Uh, it's, just, it's just sad how much pleasure I find in eating. Uh, <laughs> and you have to do less and less of that. That's another thing I discovered that different disciplines are required for different seasons of life. You know, I didn't have to be nearly as disciplined with my diet when I was 30 years old. But today, that's a different story. Um, You know, if I wanna get up, put my shoes on, and not be out of breath, (laughs) I'd better push away from the dinner table a little bit earlier. Now, I hate to tell you, but that day's coming for you too. And uh, do all you can do today not to put on that spare tire because it doesn't like to come off. But anyway, in all seriousness, you know, there's other things I've discovered, and one is this, that God does speak. <laughs> I think that's one of life's greatest treasures. Because for most of us who've chosen to follow Christ, you know, the question really isn't, you know, God, what do I do? It's, Lord, tell me what to do, and I'm happy to do it. You know, we just want to know for certain. And when you hear the voice of God, and you know it's God's voice, and you've learned to discern that still, small voice, that prompting, it provides a confidence and a courage that nothing else does. It takes you to a whole nother level of walk with God. Now I have to be honest with you, the tradition that I grew up in did not encourage that or believe that really. And so I said, you know, sometimes your doubts are gifts because there is in all of us some deconstruction of certain ways and veins of thinking that need to happen in our lives to more fully align with the truth of God's word. And that's a work that the Holy Spirit works us through. But oftentimes he gets us to those moments of reconsidering and readjusting through difficulty. And so the difficulty that produces the doubt actually fuels your discovery, actually fuels your transformation, that you may not make the adjustment if God hadn't brought you through the difficult times, and so sometimes that difficulty becomes the blessing in and of itself. And I've shared how in my life, some of those things have, have unfolded for me. And so the important thing is to realize that doubt leads to discovery uh, when, when we dive into it. And to know this, God wants to reveal truth to you. Amen. Now I would define truth as this. Truth is that which connects you to reality, to what is real. And here's where Jesus saying the kingdom of God is like the treasure, is the thing that is most real is the spiritual realm, is the realm where God rules and reigns. And that is going to be where everything ultimately ends up. Everything that we put our trust in this world will ultimately pass away. And Satan is very sneaky in trying to convince us that we need worldly success as much as we need spiritual success if we're gonna be happy. And you can believe me. It's one of the things that I've discovered is that that's a lie. That the only thing that will truly satisfy your soul is the truth of God's word and and an intimate, deep relationship with him. Now, you can believe me, you can believe Solomon, or you can believe Jim Carrey. Steve Steve put this quote up and it always stuck into my mind, I don't know, half a year ago or so, and he said this, he says, I hope everybody could get rich and famous and will have everything they ever dreamed of so they will know that it's not the answer. You know, because sometimes so many of us are chasing that so hard because we're convinced that if I can just make this amount of income, live in this neighborhood, have this prestige, then life will be wonderful. And my friends, that's a lie. And sometimes we don't realize the fallacy in it until we've actually gotten it. And so, not just Jim Carrey, but person after person say the answers are not in and of themselves in in material wealth and gain. Well, there's nothing wrong with wealth. They're wonderful gifts from God that can be used for great good in the world. But when we are looking to get from them something that God wants us to only find in Him, then it becomes an idol for us, and it becomes an obstacle and a barrier to our abundant living. You know, the thing that I've discovered is this. <clears throat> and this came out, it became really clear for me. I was, I was on an airplane talking to a, the guy. Uh, Steve and I and Dan took a trip two weeks ago. I gotta be real careful. Time's gonna get away from me. And I sat next to a, to a guy, and it's important that you guys understand, when we encourage you to, you know, pray, care, and share, that's not just something we're asking you to do. That's something we're doing, too. So I'm getting on this airplane and I'm asking God, it's like, okay, God, you know, if you want me to have a conversation with whoever sits next to me, you know, uh, let him ask. I thought I was pretty safe, you know. (laughs) Particularly when he asked, what do you do? I'm a pastor. I thought, that'll shut the conversation down. But he turns and says, wow, you're probably the first pastor I've ever met. Can I ask you a few questions? (laughs) Okay. So that led to like an hour and a half conversation, great conversation. I can't tell you about all of it, but we talked about You know, the difference between Christianity and all the other world religions. And you know the real difference comes down to grace? That is the difference. Uh, It is all about what God has done for us to give us what we can't do or actually take hold of ourselves. And we are saved by grace and we grow by grace. And so many of us fail to understand that God wants to give you everything that you're working so hard to get from the world. Just a few things that I thought about in the process is this. We want prestige. And he's made us sons and daughters of God. So in a sense, you are princes and princesses. You are royalty. That's prestigious. We want possessions, he's made us joint heirs with Jesus. We want position, he's appointed us ambassadors for his kingdom. We want power, he's given us the Holy Spirit to where all things are possible. We want purpose, he's made us partners with him and his work in the world. We want peace, he's given us a peace that passes all understanding. We want promise, and he has made you perfect. That's amazing. Now, all of those things are gifts from God. There's nothing you can do but open your heart to receive it. And we have a hard time sometimes understanding the extent of God's grace towards us. That everything we want is not provided for us by how hard we work for it, but how much we Trust God to simply give it to us. Now the challenge in the maturation journey is this, it's learning how to live in that reality so that that becomes your reality, so that you're living with an absolute awareness and confidence that all of this is yours. It isn't something that's waiting for you in the future, it's something that act, that you actually hold. You have nothing to prove. And that changes the way you approach life. And I was able to share with this young man, I said the big difference in Christianity and every other world, there's two words, do and done. In Christianity, the work's been done for us. In every other world religion, we're given lists of things we're to do to earn. And so that changes how you worship God. We worship out of a heart of gratitude for what has been given us, not out of guilt around what we are still striving to try to get from God. When we understand grace and we open our hearts to allow God to pour his provision and his promised into us, it changes everything when we truly come to believe that this is what it's all about. All right, I'm going to kick into high gear here, so hold on tight. Uh, Jesus says, first thing is there's discovery. Discover that everything that you desire and dream of is found in his kingdom in relationship with him. That discovery or life's discoveries lead to decisions. You have to then decide whether or not you are going to believe what you've discovered, and you have to decide how what you've discovered is then to be applied to your life. How do you adjust your life based on the new insight or understanding that you've just received? Because truth sets you free, but it transforms you when it's it's appropriated, when it's applied when it's lived into. And so we need to understand that the decisions we make are what in turn makes us who we are. Makes us more confident about what Jesus has said or less certain. And that all has to do with how we decide to follow. How much we trust him. Few things about the importance of decisions or quotes. It's just the quality of your life is built on the quality of your decisions. Tony Robbins said this, he said, it is in your moments of decision that your destiny is shaped. So sometimes we minimize the whole idea of resolutions and those kind of things. I want to challenge you to say, think deeply about what it is God might be challenging you to adjust in your life as we begin this new year. Because what you decide to do may determine the depth in which you are able to take hold of the abundance that God has provided for you. You know, we all need to ask, you know, wow, if I keep doing what I've been doing, you know, will anything change? Almost all of us do need to make some adjustment. And so on this last day of the year, I would encourage you to just ask God, you know, where do I need to adjust? Stephen Covey said this, he says, I'm not the product of my circumstances, I'm a product of my decisions. And your decisions are based on the discoveries that you've made, on the insights that God's given you through the life experiences that you've had. And we need to press in to how do we apply those things to our lives. Because when you make that decision to make the alignment it results in a delight or a joy. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I feel good when I choose to you know, be true to my stated beliefs, when my behavior begins to match my beliefs. And most of the time when I need to make an adjustment, it's because that's not necessarily true. You know, I really believe that I need to push away from the table, but oh, I, I just want that next piece of whatever. And I settle for that. And there's a consequence for that. And then I'm not not filled with as much delight. But in this passage, the decision was made to rebury the treasure. And that decision gave him time to make a plan. And the plan that he develops is that he realizes that if I go and sell everything I own, I will have enough resources to actually purchase this property and, and the treasure will be mine. And so, realizing, putting that plan together brought joy to his heart. Because he understood that this is possible. And he delighted in that insight. And so, the important thing for us to understand is this, if what you're doing doesn't bring you delight at some level, you won't stick with it. And God wants you, the scripture says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, to be completely honest with you, sometimes the light is delayed. There's usually that initial, all right, you know, I actually got up and I started my diet today. You do know that when you say that you're gonna start tomorrow, that that never, day, that day never arrives. Tomorrow is always the day after today. And so if you're gonna start tomorrow, that's always, yeah, in the, in the future. It never happens. So we need to decide today. We need to make decisions today to align our lives with the truth, with the convictions that God is showing us, with the lessons He's revealing to us, and it starts with this. Ooh, you know, I'm right. I'm started. And we pat ourselves on the back. We did good, and then those hunger pains start. You know, and sometimes this is what I discover: that I love Hagen Daz more than health. <laughs> you, do you ever go there? Then I'm wrestling. Okay, how much talking about is going to eat and still be healthy? <laughs> yeah, that's, is it? Am I the only person in the room that's like that? You know, I'm constantly waiting. Yeah, how much do I have to give up? And this is what I've come to realize. And I think, and ultimately, this is what Jesus wants us to come to know: is this? Is love makes sacrifice satisfying? I can let go of things that I deeply want if I want something else more but I love something else more. And what God is trying to do in our lives is trying to surface the idols, the things that we've put above him, and that when we come to discover that, he wants us to decide then, will you choose to love me, or will you choose your lust over love for me? And there's consequences, one way or the other, and Jesus doesn't force you you know, I learned this a while ago in that my son, uh, Zachary, our youngest son, was in the hospital for 10 days. He was in intensive care. Um, he had the uh, uh, infectious disease people looking at him. And the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. And he just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And we were just, you know, crying out to God, you know. <laughs> intervene. And uh, make a long story very short, you know, God healed him. But I'll tell you, in those moments of uncertainty, there's absolutely nothing we wouldn't have given to secure his his health. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, we give everything, give up our lives. Because why? Love him more. When we love God like that, what we have to sacrifice in the longings and the desires of the flesh, become far less powerful in our lives. That's the other thing that I've discovered is it's really all about a love relationship. That If I wanna grow in my faith, I focus on growing deeper in love with Jesus. And that delight or that love leads us to deeper devotion. It leads us to the decision that uh, the man made to actually sell everything that he had to be able to purchase the property and take hold of the treasure. Now, that's a pretty simple message, but most of us get caught up in that little word, everything or all. When Jesus says, Love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Because most of us, if we're honest to ourselves, you know, we got to say, ah, that's just not true. Well, be of good cheer. That's a process. That's the goal. That's where we're going. And there is reward all along the way. You know, when I married my wife, and, and, and we're going to celebrate 40 years of marriage in 24, so that's, that's a journey. Um, <laughs> When I married her, I really believed I loved her with my whole heart. You know, marriage has a way of kind of surfacing the selfishness in you. Have you ever just, have you discovered that, those of you who are married? And you find out that, man, I I think I still love myself more than I love her. And uh, I've had to, it's taken me, you know, literally 30 30 plus years at least to get to that point where I realize that, where I've got to start to realize that, you know, uh, God's voice does sound a lot like my wife's. And, uh, and to make that alignment as quick as possible because it is true, you know, happy wife is a happy life. And so it's taken me a while to learn these things and I am grateful for the grace that she's shown me because that's the same grace God's shown me. And I can say today uh, that it is my greatest desire to love her wholeheartedly. now it's not to say we don't have disagreements not to say we don't argue but we love each other with a depth that all the fear and all the anxiety of whether or not we're going to be there for each other has just gone away and that's a pretty good place to get and that didn't start on day one it was a journey that's what God has invited us into so let me close by this Why did Jesus really want them to discern in giving them this? And I believe this was his greatest message. The scripture tells us that Israel, God's chosen people, are the treasure of God's heart. The disciples would have understood that scripture. They would understand that what Jesus was wanting them to see, that what he was inviting them into, was a love relationship where they would choose to love him the same way he has chosen to love them. That in the man in the story selling everything, that is what Jesus had done already. He had given up everything. The glory of heaven and the comforts of heaven to take on flesh and blood, to live a perfect life, to die on a cross, to raise from the dead, to absorb humanity's sin so that he could be reconciled, so that we could be reconciled back to him. And what the spiritual journey really is, is understanding that that's the invitation before us all. What God wants more than anything is a love relationship. And it's in that relationship that the priceless things flow to you, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness. Self-control, patience. And that's all Jesus was longing for. He's saying, hey, you've made the right decision, and it's a journey to get to where you can easily love me the way I love you, but I want you to, to focus on the fact that I have already given my all so that I could give you all things, all of your heart's desires, and that they're waiting there for you in the depth of love that can be developed if we discover, decide, delight, and devote ourselves to seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. If you wanna make next year the best year of your life, devote yourself to loving God the way he loves you. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you have any questions about what you just heard, we'd love to talk with you. You can get connected at hnw.org about what we believe or how to join a small group or follow us on social media as well. Thank you so much for joining us and we'd love to see you soon.